So please turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 9. And let's start today's broadcast, if we may, in verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Keep your hand in chapter 9 and go to chapter 20. A very similar piece of scripture. And I just wonder, this is what we call parenthesis. Chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Very similar language. 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Go back to chapter 9. The four Gospels cover the Lord's ministry from four different perspectives. And it could just be that John's book, called the Book of Revelation of the Apocalypse, is also written to demonstrate the Lord's ministry, but from four different perspectives. Hold that thought. But from chapter 9, verse 1, again, it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Could be hell itself. It could be Tarsus, a place which holds the fallen angels, going back to Genesis chapter 6. But this angel has the key. This angel has authority. And keys in scripture always denote authority. Almighty God gave the apostles the authority to preach the gospel. Matthew 16, Matthew 18, Acts chapter 2. And here this angel has fallen from heaven. We talk about a fallen angel or you've fallen from grace. It's a picture from losing a position of authority or you've forfeited something which you were once given you've fallen you've stumbled you have fallen foul of the lord if you will and this angel the fifth angel has got the key of the bottomless pit which means just that that hell has no bottom in fact you were told over in isaiah i think it's chapter five and seven that hell is never full and how hell is always looking forward to those that are going to join them An awful thought. Look at verse 2, please. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit, as a smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. The heat must be unimaginable. In fact, I was looking at one commentary yesterday which suggested that the heat in the bottomless pit is around 235 degrees Celsius, which is 455 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot. I remember some years ago reading about British soldiers that were serving in Afghanistan. And at the peak of the summer in Afghanistan, it would reach around 50 degrees Celsius. 50 degrees Celsius. Those poor British soldiers in their warrior tanks, almost sweltering. But hell is so much more hot and it says how he opened the bottomless pit don't spiritualize this take it as it is and there rose a smoke out of the pit as a smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit literal darkness and i was watching the news this morning and they showed a report concerning the day of the dead and it takes place in mexico every year and you got a group of people celebrating death 
And yet people say to me, but you Christians celebrate death. Well, we celebrate resurrection. And they give us a hard time for celebrating resurrection, celebrating our Savior conquering death. And yet those people don't criticize that crowd over Mexico that worship the dead, that dress up as demons and devils. And I'll get to that shortly. And to see so many children dressing up to worship the dead sends shivers down my spine. But here this angel has opened the bottomless pit. Now the pit has sides to it. Isaiah 14. And if you think of a tumble dryer, for example, going round and round and round. And imagine being put into the tumble dryer when it spins. Gives you some idea of what it's like in the heart of the earth. You're constantly being thrown up and down, back and forth. On top of that, you are in a melting pot of around 450 five degrees Fahrenheit that's pretty hot and that of course is hell fire so this smoke has come up and as a result it's pitch black I guess it'd be like standing in front of a bonfire or a great puff of smoke the air is turned into darkness also pitch of the second death you become blind look at verse three please and they came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Literal locusts, and yet behind such locusts are unclean spirits. These locusts are, in some ways, a duplication or a repeat of what we read over in Exodus chapter 9 concerning Moses, pretty much destroying Egypt, a type of the world. And these locusts, horrible things, come up out of the earth concerning the bottomless pit, and unto them was given power, meaning authority, as the scorpions of the earth have power. So, keep in mind, if you will, you've got Moses arriving around 1200-ish BC, destroying Pharaoh, a type of the Antichrist, destroying Egypt, a type of the world, which will happen again during the Great Tribulation, and Locusts have been multiplied like tenfold throughout the tribulation. On top of that, they are somehow linked to scorpions. Awful description. Let's keep reading on. Verse 4. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Chapter 7 explains that the 144,000... Men, Jewish, virgins, are sealed. So they are called for service, not salvation, and they are sealed, meaning they are kept safe, which is also a description to those of us in the church age that are sealed until the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 4. So the locusts slash scorpions have been commanded not to hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green tree, or any green thing, but only those men, which are not the seal of God, in their foreheads. In other words, they can hurt and torture anyone and anything outside of the 144,000. Much like a cat likes to play with a mouse. And I'll come back to that thought in a moment. Look at verse 5, please. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months and their torment was as a torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. 
It's like this: a cat finds a mouse, or a cat finds a bird, or a dog finds a cat, and as such, especially with a cat, doesn't go straight for the kill. It likes to play with its prey, and a cat will play with a mouse, especially for a long period of time. That's what I think this is all about. Five again, and to them it was given that they should not kill them, not straight away, but that they should be tormented five months, like from May till September, a typical lifespan of a locust, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion. Stings painful when he striketh a man. So picture this, if you will. You've got around six billion people on the earth. The rapture's being gone. Chapter four. You've got Christ up in the third heaven, opening the seven seals, and the first number of people that are going to be afflicted are going to be afflicted by scorpions and locusts, and they're going to be tormented for five months, which. At the end of chapter nine, going into chapter ten, results in the death of around two billion people, most of which go straight into hell. Nine one, nine two, nine three. Never saved to begin with, and according to our Calvinist brethren, Christ didn't die for them, which is incorrect. He died for them, but they didn't want to be saved, and therefore they're going to go straight to hell when they die. But their children, perhaps, will be spared, meaning. Heaven, when they die, not hell. And if we get a chance, I'll come back and elaborate on that further. Look at verse six, please. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. I'm not surprised. Such are going to be tormented for five months. Giant-sized scorpions, giant-sized locusts going around, stinging, torturing. Enjoying their prey until they die of fright, and yet during that time, such will seek death. They're going to try and take their own lives, and shall not find it. The Lord will restrain them from killing themselves, and shall desire to die. Absolutely wish that their lives will be no more, and death shall flee from them. At the moment, if you want to end your life prematurely. Which they refer to that as being euthanasia. You have to go to Switzerland, and good old Switzerland will put you to death. They will give you the needle, or maybe a tablet, and you just sleep. That is called euthanasia. In the UK and other parts of the world, it is illegal to kill someone prematurely, and yet abortion isn't. That's a great picture of inconsistency, of course. But during the tribulation, people are going to want to die, which is pretty obvious if you're being. Plagued by such individuals, and yet the Lord will prolong their agony. Now, did you get that? The Lord will prolong their agony. If you die without Christ, you go to hell forever, and you are tormented in the presence of the Lamb. Chapter fourteen, forever and ever. Second Thessalonians chapter two speaks about Almighty God pouring out strong delusion concerning those that will not receive the truth, being Christ. Because they take pleasure in unrighteousness. So if you're not saved today, and you find yourself in the tribulation, like I said last week, it's going to be almost impossible for you to be saved. Yes, of course you will be saved, but look at the price you're going to have to pay. Six one more time, and in those days, great tribulation, shall men and women seek death, 
because the pain will be indescribable, and shall not find it, because the Lord will take it from them. He wants them to suffer, you see. He wants them to pay for their sins. He's angry, you see. Meek and mild Jesus. And yet what about that scripture over in the book of Psalms? How he hates all workers of iniquity. How he is angry with the wicked every day. And yet we never hear this preached, do we? In those days, men, women, unsaved people shall seek death and shall not find it. And shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. An awful picture of the second death. Let's keep reading verse 7. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces was the faces of men. Crowns like gold, picturing royalty. Picturing those with authority. And when I read this this morning, and also last night, I was thinking to myself about those cartoons I used to watch. Many cartoons. I think most people that grew up in the West would watch many cartoons. And cartoons like Godzilla. Cartoons like Dungeons and Dragons. Not just Tom and Jerry, but real kids cartoons that I grew up watching. Half animal, half human, uh, half monster. You get the picture? You see, Hollywood are not far off what they penned back in the 40s and 50s, going right up till today, is very much in line with the scripture. And yet, of course, they don't realise that. They are simply following their own imaginations. But what they are drawing, being cartoons or animation, was spoken about 2,000 years ago. And the shapes, verse 7, of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle. This is supernatural. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. Locusts, horses, men. Again, it's a cross between an animal, a human, and a monster. A terrible thought. And yet, such is never spoken about. Most Bible teachers wouldn't even attempt to read this piece of scripture and teach it as being literal still to occur. And I ask the question to those that are of the historical position, those that are amillennial, those that are pre-trest, what do you do with these verses? Please tell me. Send me an email. I'd like to know. And if this has occurred, if you hold to the historical position, as Spurgeon did and others, then may I ask you, when did this occur? Verse 10. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. That's the second time we read about hurting men. Verse 5. Not allowed to hurt them, or not allowed to kill them, I should say. But for five months, they're going to hurt mankind before they kill mankind. Go back to my analogy of the cat playing with the mouse, or the cat playing with the bird, or in some cases, a dog playing with a cat. But for the most, the analogy is probably clearer when we look at a cat playing with a mouse. And they had tails like unto scorpions. And there were stings in their tails, almost like spiders to some extent. A lethal sting, a sting in the tail. We use that to express somebody who criticizes us. But here, this is a literal attack. And their power, authority, was to hurt men five months. Going back to May till September. A 
prolonged period of pain inflicted on tribulation saints, enemies of the Lord, those that were never saved to begin with. In fact, some of these people will take the mark of the beast if they're not killed beforehand. Verse 11. And they had a king over there, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Now, Abaddon and Apollyon means the destroyer. Okay, the destroyer. Keep your hand in Revelation 9 and go back to the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 12. And I thought to myself when I sat down last week to prepare for this morning's recording that number one over in Exodus 12 we read about the destroyer in fact let me read it to you first and I'll give my thoughts chapter 12 look at verse 23 please for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians and when he saith the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. The destroyer here is concerning the angel of the Lord being in Jesus Christ. So I thought to myself this last week and also this morning. Number one, could it be that we've got two destroyers in the word of God? Old Testament being Christ, New Testament somehow being a king over the bottomless pit from chapter 9 verse 11 from the book of Revelation. Christ in the Old Testament, perhaps Satan in the New Testament. I'm not overly sure. Now, what also puzzled me were how there were no cross-references in any of my reference Bibles to suggest at least a similarity between two destroyers. Christ, Exodus 12, 23, or perhaps Satan, Revelation 9, verse 11. And go back to Revelation, please. Revelation 9, 11 again. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Verse 1, verse 2. Whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon, meaning destroyer. Now Satan, as far as I know, is never called the destroyer. He's called the serpent. He's called the deceiver. He's called a liar. He's called a red dragon, but he's never called the destroyer. So it could be, on the one hand, you've got two destroyers in Scripture, but I don't think we can say that the destroyer from the book of Exodus is the same found here in chapter 9, verse 11. Let me come back to that if I get time. Look at verse 12 from Revelation chapter 9. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. What do they say? You ain't seen nothing yet. 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. The great river Euphrates, being Iraq, of course. Now ask yourself this. Which country in the Middle East has suffered the most during the last 25 years, apart, excluding, outside of Iraq. Now Syria comes pretty near. I grant you that. And Syria is mentioned many times. In the Old Testament. But Iraq has been hit hard. Two Gulf Wars. The Iran-Iraq War. When Saddam Hussein was alive. It was one of his goals. To rebuild Babylon. And I was reading maybe five or six years ago. That the American Embassy. Has spent millions building their embassy. 
and I seem to think from memory there were, or there are 5,000 US diplomats based, stationed, living in Babylon, Iraq. You think to yourself, that's a lot of people, 5,000? That's probably more than London, Paris, and Rome have combined. So you think to yourself, what is going on? Could it be that Babylon, being in Iraq, is going to perhaps be rebuilt? Perhaps, I don't know. But here, the sixth angel has sounded, and I, John, heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, third heaven, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, picture of uh, judgment, of course, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates, quite possibly concerning the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And they've been bound in the great river Euphrates, modern-day Iraq. So you've got angels, you've got cherubims, seraphims, you've got seven seals, you've got seven trumpets, seven vials, seven spirits, seven churches, seven sevens. Seven is found throughout the book of Revelation. But go back to what I said at the beginning of this broadcast. Could it be that what we are reading about from chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3, is somehow a parenthesis concerning Revelation 20, 1, 2, and 3? Meaning this, that John is giving you multiple accounts of the book of Revelation. Uh, 20, verse 1, 2, and 3, Satan is bound, the pit has been opened with a key, thanks to an angel that has been sent from heaven. The two could be linked up. It could be that chapter 9 is the beginning of chapter 20. I don't get too much into this because it gets somewhat confusing. But look, if you will please, at verse 15 from Revelation chapter 9. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, for to slay the third part of men. So precise. 13 months, a day, and an hour to slay the third parts of men. You've had scorpions and locusts torturing, uh, afflicting man for five months. And if that wasn't bad enough, you've now got four angels that have been loosed from the river of Euphrates, modern-day Iraq, to kill those which were prepared for death. And they will suffer for a year, a month, a day, and an hour. And they're going to kill a third part, or a third of mankind, which, according to my understanding, will be two billion people. Most of which are not saved, will never be saved, and will go straight to hell. And yet, children that die in the tribulation, those that are pre the age of accountability, will go straight to heaven because they are the innocents. And I was able to speak about that during a message in London a couple of weeks ago called Universal Heaven for the Innocents. But apart from the innocents being children or disabled people, those that are mentally impaired, there's no other way to be reconciled to the Lord. You would die in your sins and go to hell forever. And the truth be known, that's where you'd want to go, because you hate God. Verse 16, please. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them, around 200 million. So the four horsemen are going to lead this army of around 200 million. Supernatural, of course, demonic. There isn't a country in the world that could even put half this number up. China, 
has a huge army, as does America and Russia, and yet if you were to combine their armies, you couldn't get 200 million. But during the tribulation, you're going to get 200 million. And John says, and I heard the number of them. Of course, you're not told it's 200 million. You're told it's 200,000 thousand. The reason for that is because the word million, or the term million, isn't found in the Greek language. The highest number in the Greek language is a thousand. So 200,000 thousand in today's um, understanding would be 200 million demonic supernatural individuals. Some have suggested that it's possible that unsaved soldiers from China, Russia or America may be demon possessed and march on the world and head towards Jerusalem. That's possible. And yet I think looking at these verses, it's more likely that you're looking at uh, unclean spirits taken on human form to some extent and as a result are going to march. Terrible thoughts. And yet why put yourself through this? Why wait for this to happen? Hell wasn't made for men. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. And then that sat on them. Having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Again this has to be supernatural. I saw horses in the vision. And them that sat on them. Having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Again, it's something out of a cartoon. And you've got millions of children all over the world tuning in every Saturday morning to watch their cartoons to get a kick. And I was one of those before I was saved years ago. And yet what they are watching on television is in many ways a vision as to what is going to occur during the Great Tribulation, known as Daniel's 70th week, Jacob's Trouble. 18. By these three was a third part of men killed by the fire, and by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. A third part are going to be killed, around two billion, by fire, smoke, and brimstone. They will be burnt to death. And go straight into the lake of fire to burn forever. Awful. 19. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were likened to serpents and at heads. And with them they do hurt. There's that word again. Hurt. They're going to torture men for a period of time. Never mind the KGB or boss or other awful secret police like the Stasi. They were bad enough. And they knew how to to torture people. You wait till this crowd turn up. 20. And the rest of the men, which are not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold, and silver, and brass, and stone, and of wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor of their thefts. The three main idols in the UK today will be sport alcohol and sex and when this event really kicks off as they say for the most part mankind will be completely indifferent don't disturb me i'm having a good time it's like your house is burning down and you've got the fire brigade banging on your door to get you out you've got the police around the back trying to kick your back door and you've got 
neighbours to your left and to your right putting ladders up to get you out of your burning house. And you say, don't disturb me. I'm watching the game. I'm having a good time. Don't be so intolerant. That's the kind of thing that will happen during the tribulation. Millions, not billions, are going to be killed left, right and centre. And yet for the most, those that are not killed, 20, by such plagues, are not going to repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, unclean spirits, not just bowing down to statues or images, but like I say, worshipping sport, sex or alcohol, and idols of gold, and silver and brass and stone, and of wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repent they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, meaning drug abuse, nor of their fornication, premarital sex, and also spiritual fornication, nor of their thefts. Could be literal theft, it could also be spiritual theft, like robbing the Lord of his glory, and not giving him the worship that he is owed. I will leave you there with chapter 9, and next week we will return to Revelation chapter 10.